Welcome to the D-Spot Podcast. Dr. Dana McNeil is a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in working with couples using the Gottman Method. Her evidence-based practice provides support for the wide range of relationship issues that modern couples face. By using her open, affirming, and outside-of-the-box thinking, Dr. Dana is able to approach her work with couples by bringing both insights and tools that reflect the realities of today's complicated relationships. Dr. Dana features guests on her podcast that include a unique array of celebrities, CEOs, influencers, and everyday folks who are all working on navigating new conversations about how society views what goes into a successful relationship. And now, here's your host, Dr. Dana McNeil. Welcome to the D-Spot Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dana McNeil. This is the podcast about all things relationships and the people in them and people who serve them. So that's why I am wanting you to meet my friend, Ashley. She is a freelance writer. She is a bi-coastal traveler. She goes between New York and Venice, California, and she specializes in writing about all things health, lifestyle, mental health included, physical health and wellness, and dating. And she has been published in so many things. Like every time you pick something up or open up the internet, there's Ashley. She's in Teen Vogue, Self, Refinery29, Nylon Vice, Healthline, Insider, more. And I have been really fortunate to get to collaborate with her on some articles. And it's it's her insight and the ability to like be on trends. I just thought you guys should get to know her. So hello, Ashley. Welcome. Oh my God. First of all, I'm... That intro was amazing. I'm flattered. Thank you. Well, it's um, all through their facts. I checked them. I have a reliable source. <laughs> it's true. It's funny because like I've been writing for so long and then I feel like it's just become so normal to me that I always kind of forget to take a step back and like look at my accomplishments. And then when I, when I hear it back from somebody else, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. You're like, oh, look at me. I'm yeah. amazing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, you are amazing. How did you become a freelance writer? That sounds like a lot of potential insecurity at the beginning. How does one do that? Yeah, it has been a whole journey. Um, I did not set out to be a writer. I went to fashion school. I thought I was going to work in fashion. Um, and then towards the end of the my stint at FIT, um, I started doing some fashion writing and I was like, okay, this is cool. I like writing. And I loved seeing my name in print. Like when I got the first little magazine and I saw, even though it was just a school. For sure. Like, this is so cool. So, and I did an internship um, writing about fashion and beauty. Thought it was fun. Thought it was cool, whatever. And then it wasn't until um, I wrote this like blog post for this anxiety website, like this random girl on Facebook had posted that she was looking for people to like share their own stories. And I was like, you know what? This seems cool. So I wrote an article for this random blog about my own like struggles with anxiety and depression. You got personal, you got vulnerable in this. Yeah, so that was my first time like, writing about something that wasn't like fashion and beauty. Like it was about me. Okay. So I shared it on Facebook when it came out and it got really good response. Like 
people were messaging me saying like, oh my God, like I had no idea you struggled with this mm -hmm. or, um, you know, I, I struggle with anxiety and I thought I was the only one, like, thank you so much for writing this. So, wow. The power <laughs> of vulnerability and what it can do to normalize experiences for other people. Yeah. So I, and up, up until that point, like, so that was in probably like 2016. So I feel like that was before now I feel like people are so open online about mental health struggles, but I feel like back then it was not really a thing yet. So I was really scared to be that open about it. And it's funny because now I've like written so much about myself and shared so much about myself online that I'm like, I have no secrets anymore. <laughs> but that's great. I mean, so then when you're asking people that you're interviewing to do something hard, you definitely can say, hey, listen, I walked in your shoes. Here's all the pros and cons. I still think it's a good gig. Yeah, for sure. So after that, I decided I wanted to keep pursuing writing. And then I kind of just got lucky. Like I was doing social media for a website. They were losing all their writers. So I was like, hey, I can, I can write actually. So can I write some stuff for you guys? So I started building up my portfolio and then I started like pitching my own article ideas to other publications. Like Nylon was one of the first ones. And so, you send them, uh, so pitching is you send them some examples of your writing and you yeah. kind of put yourself out there to be judged about if they yes. see you worthy of being in their publication. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of rejection, especially at the beginning, like so much rejection, but yeah, I kind of just, you know, after I got my first couple of clips out there, like with Nylon and Thrillist, um, then I started like building my portfolio and, you know, once you have like more clips in your portfolio, you become more reputable and then like okay. people are more likely to, you know, take my pitches. So, so do you still have to pitch? I'm imagining they just come to you now and like, please give us some of your time, Ashley. I'm really, really, really lucky that like, I've been on this trajectory and, you know, I put the work in, like, I really do feel like, I feel like some of it was getting lucky, but a lot of it was also like, I really did put the work in. I hustled so much with pitching to so many editors and dealing with so much rejection, but now I'm at a point where, yeah, like almost all of my work is on assignment. So the editors will come to me and give me the assignments. Um, I don't have to really pitch that much anymore, which is really, really nice. <laughs> because pitching is just constantly putting yourself out there for rejection and kind of having to do it because it's your livelihood. Do you ever start to like build up some armor around that where it doesn't feel so personal? I mean, yeah, I feel like, I feel like after a while I was just able to, to tell and especially also after connecting with other writers and hearing from them, like, you know, that it wasn't just me. It wasn't just like all, the editors don't have a personal vendetta against me. Like it's, that, <laughs> you know, there's only so many writers they can work with. There's only so many articles they can do. Okay. So yeah, I think after, and I am someone who takes things very personally. <laughs> like, You're conscientious. So you want to give them what they're looking for and you like, are 
trying to do a good job and like you you're taking it as a growth experience. Yeah. And I think ultimately it really did make me stronger and even like dealing with edits, like, you know, I'll hand in my articles and then sometimes I'll get them back and they will be like completely marked up and like, there are oh, all the changes. They want. And that's another thing where I had to learn how to, to not take it personally. It took time, but I feel like I'm really at a, at a place now where, you know, I don't take rejection with work personally and I don't take edits personally, but it has not been something that happened overnight. Like I've been, you know, freelance writing for, I don't know, I guess like since, since 2016, well, I didn't start doing it seriously until probably like five, four or five years ago, but yeah. But when I like first dipped my toes in was like, I guess 2016 ish. So we read all these amazing articles everywhere about relationships, relationships. I mean, every time I pick up something, there's an article or some insight about relationships. Why are we so hungry to read about these things? I think it's people are always, because relationships are something that people are always struggling with. Mm-hmm. Like even if they're in a health, whether you're in a relationship and it's healthy or not healthy, you're still going to probably have questions. When you're single, you're going to have questions when you're in like the talking stage or, you know, like in a situationship with somebody, like there's always questions that people have. And I think that is why dating and relationships is such a huge topic online because people always want advice. And also like when I think about, you know, my friends and the conversations we have, so much of it is about dating, relationships, um, all of that stuff. So I think it's just something that's always on people's minds. And so will these editors, is that who will approach you and say, we have a hot topic? Or are you sometimes allowed to say, I have a hot topic I want us to talk about? Yeah, most of the time it's them coming to me with the topics that, you know, are like hot topics, as you're saying at the moment, like stuff that's, you know, trending, but stuff that it's still, you know, it's trending for a reason. And who is like the demographic of who is reading this? Is everybody reading it? Is old people like me? Is young (laughs) like you reading it? Who are reading these articles? I would say it's probably mostly millennials, but it's really funny because like once in a while I will get a friend or like a random person on Instagram messaging me like, oh my God, I came across this article about, you know, like X, Y, Z. And then I saw that you wrote it. And and a lot of the times it will be like relationship ones. So it's funny. Oh yeah. Your relationship ones are good. You just get in there and you like, so since I know the process, it's different. Explains to someone listening, you get an assignment from refinery or self and they're like, hey, Ashley, I want to know about what ghosting is or benching is or some trend of dating narcissists. Like, what's the process? So usually I'll do like a little bit of initial research of just like diving into the topic. Usually it's something that I'm like, oh yeah, like I've (laughs) experienced this. But yeah, I'll do a little bit of initial research. And then all of my articles always have some kind of expert insight. And that is where you and I have connected. Yes. So most of my work, I usually include like at least um, two experts. So, you know, for the dating ones, that'll be like two couples therapists or 
you know, maybe not a couples therapist, but a therapist who is very well versed in it. Um, but usually couples therapists or sex therapists, depending on the topic. Mm-hmm. And I will, you know, have a bunch of questions I have for the expert, shoot them over. We'll either do an email or phone interview and, you know, get all the information. So it's not, so the article is not just what Ashley thinks about ghosting. Oh, it's like, you're, you're I could you're going to collect all the details and then you how do you so you get stuff from me you get some from other therapists and then like how do you know what to use or how to cobble it into a story because they're so seamless and they're just like you're having a conversation when I read them how do you do that (laughs) thank you I think a lot of it has just been like practice but usually I'll I'll do like a basic outline like I'll know that I want to talk about you know this point this point this point and then I'll look back at like the quotes that I have from the experts and kind of figure out what works best where, um, you know, am I including data from any studies or like surveys or polls? And I think really everything is sort of like a puzzle and just kind of seeing where everything fits. And, you know, a lot of the times, again, there's tons of edits. So it's like a collaborative process with my editors, but yeah, I think, I think it's just something that has come with practice of kind of knowing like, you know, what's going to work good where, and also what you were saying about, you know, reading it and feeling like it's a conversation or that, um, you know, that's what I aim for. Like, I want my stuff to be something that's conversationable, conversational and digestible because I personally, like when I read work that I can tell the writer is like trying to be like using all these fancy words and being pretentious like I personally hate that like I like to joke like I'm a writer for the people like I want like normal people to be able to read my stuff and get it and have it help them so yeah I'm always whenever I'm writing stuff I'm always remembering like I'm talking to like the average person someone like me someone who is looking for advice on this and somebody who you know wants to be able to easily understand it I think that's the gift of your writing style because I imagine, I mean, I feel compassion for writers that actually do stories these days because we have all this competing social media of like, I have a 30 second attention span, right? And give me a video or like, give me a visual so I can keep on moseying down the road. And so if you're going to hold someone's attention, it's got to be like you're talking to your best friend over lunch right? It's not going to be like, well, let me put out the flowery words and like put all this, you know, pretentiousness out. It's going to be like, hey, I want you to relate to me. I want you to have empathy and I want you to show me that you get where I'm at. And then you do this nice job of sort of peppering in those of us that consider ourselves experts. Like here's some ways that you can approach it, but then you also got to change our words so that we don't sound pretentious. I mean, as much as (laughs) when we do therapy talk at you. Yeah, no, I mean, you have been an amazing source to work with. Like, I'm really glad that we've connected, so. Well, thank you. You you ask easy questions, not easy questions. There's no easy questions (laughs) about relationships, but you phrase it so that we can get close to what it is that you're looking for. So you'll send it in and then they'll probably come back and be like, get rid of this, or this is too long. Like, is there an aim of how long an article typically is? Yeah, I mean, usually like, I mean, I don't know how much this means to anybody, but like around a thousand words, which is like okay. a, a standard article. 
but yeah, honestly, a lot of the times with the edits, it's like my editor's wanting more, um, more clarification or like more specifics or asking for, you know, are there any like statistics we can use mm. to up? Are there any numbers we can use any studies to just like, we want to demystify the science of a relationship. So we want to like bring this nerdy science to these emotional things that we can't understand so that yeah. it you know, like makes it more tangible. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So we know now how the articles work. What are you learning about relationships being a reporter of relationships? You're down in the trenches. What are we doing? What are, what's happening out there? Oh my God. I mean, I've learned so much like over the past, because I feel like like dating relationships, sex stuff has been more so in the past like year or two. So in like, and as it's, you know, grown over the past year or two, more assignments in that realm, I've learned like so much. And I feel like I'm very single right now, but I feel like when I do enter alert, alert, Ashley's single, we need to find her someone. (laughs) But I feel like when I do, whenever enter a relationship, I feel like I'm so much more well-equipped now because like, I've talked to so many experts about this. I've written thousands and thousands and thousands of words about this. Um, But I feel like the main thing that I've learned that's been such a common thread, whether I'm writing about green flags or red flags or, you know, anything is that just communication is so important. And that's something that I've taken with me into my love life, whether, you know, just dating or casual stuff, like even with that, I've, and maybe part of it is growing up too. And you know, not being like in my early twenties anymore. And knowing that like, there's no use in playing games. It's, there's no use. Like communication is so like, I feel so much better when instead of purposely trying to like play it cool, I'll be like, Hey, actually, can I be like honest with you for a minute and tell you about how I'm really feeling about like the way that you ghosted me or, you know, whatever. Nice. Nice. I like it. It's been very empowering, I would say, to like, you know, value communication over playing cool, playing hard to get, playing games. Like, cause yeah, I feel like the one thing that I've learned is communication is so important. And how are you going to get what you want when you're not communicating? Or how is the other person going to know what you're feeling if you're not communicating? Because we can we can guess what someone else is thinking, but do you really know? Like not really, unless you really talk to them. And that's sort of a universal truth that you're finding as you're writing these articles and interviewing people that have had green flags. It's because they've been clear communicators. Red flags is because they've been vague or didn't set a healthy boundary or didn't ask for their needs or said yes when they really meant no. That like across the board, what you're learning is this is sort of the key to a healthy relationship. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like it goes for both being in an actual relationship or just being someone like me who will like be going on dates here and there and, or, you know, having whatever going on and just, yeah, being communicative, being honest. And obviously it's easier said than done. And I know that like a lot of people really struggle with it because it does require you being vulnerable and 
you know, it can be scary because you're opening yourself up to getting hurt or you're opening yourself up to criticism. Um, but ultimately I feel like it's the, the best way to go. It's sort of very, as you're talking about that, I'm kind of looking at that the way that you've been on that journey of being vulnerable to pursue a career that speaks to your heart, right? That it took a lot of vulnerability for you to step into that light and let somebody see who you were, especially because you wrote about yourself. You didn't just hide behind other people's experiences and you owned that. And on the other side, you've been successful. So I guess we can relay that process to the relationship piece too, right? That it requires this vulnerability to kind of stand there and let somebody see you. But at the same time, it's powerful because you're choosing you above all things. And if they go away, there's no, you did the part you needed to do. If they can't handle that, that's on them. Yeah. Yeah. Look at us putting those pieces together for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good um, parallel. Are people intimidated dating a reporter? (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's funny because my Bumble, I don't know if I, I might've changed it, but my Bumble bio for like probably years was I'll probably write about you. (laughs) And people are always like, what do you mean? Like, what are you going to write? I hope it's good. You know, blah, blah, blah. Or they'll be like, oh, are you like, Harry Bradshaw and I'm like no (laughs) um when somebody sees a topic are they like secretly like is this aimed at me because things didn't go well on that date I don't know like (laughs) who knows I feel like I don't know I don't think I'm an intimidating person I mean I don't think so who knows what other people think she's She's got her act together I would be intimidated (laughs) I don't know but yeah, I think people, it definitely piques people's interests, I think. And, you know, maybe they should be worried. If, <laughs> See why she's intimidating? Um, you should be worried. <laughs> no, I think the reason why they should be worried, if anything, is because I have all this, like, knowledge. Like, what I lack from my own relationship experience I feel like I've made up for and like learning so much over the last couple of years, like researching, talking to experts, writing all this stuff. And then, as I said, like applying it in my dating life, even though it's not been like serious relationships, there's been stuff. Mm-hmm. So, what I love is I don't hear that you're intimidated by dating. Like you have the potential to be like, there's a lot of good things happening and there's a lot of things that are not so great and you're not throwing in the towel you're still interested in dating and you still seem optimistic about it and enthusiastic about it (laughs) I don't know if optimistic is the word (laughs) okay cautiously optimistic (laughs) yeah I mean another thing is that like I have really been working on myself and kind of prioritizing that instead of I feel like even before last year I feel like I was always thinking you know how am I gonna like how many dates am I gonna go on like am I gonna meet somebody like how am I gonna get this like external validation and the past few months like have been rough for my mental health so I feel like I've prioritized taking care of myself versus like okay like am I gonna get am I going to go on a date? Like, am I going to meet somebody? Am I going to start seeing somebody? 
but yeah, I guess cautiously optimistic in the sense of that I'm also not rushing anything. Like I know a lot of people date to find a partner and they, they go in with that, those such high hopes. And I feel like whenever I'm going on a date, it's kind of like, you know, let's just see what happens. And if there's a connection, we'll see if there's not, then. So, yeah, I feel like I've taken a more, I don't know if I want to say selfish approach, but a more selfish approach to like putting myself first and knowing that I ultimately need to be in a good place and ultimately need to be feeling good about whatever's going on. I don't think that's selfish. I think that's realistic that I can't show up for somebody if I'm not whole and complete myself. I don't have anything yeah. left to give you if I'm running on fumes. So I think that sounds mindful of being aware of those red flags that you write about that if I'm tapped out and I'm looking for you to fill me up, I'm looking in the wrong direction. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, when I look back on like first serious adult relationship like one of the main reasons why it failed (laughs) there are multiple things but like one of the main reasons that I think led to the downfall was that like I was really in a bad place with my mental health like it's weird because there were like some of the highest highs ever in that relationship being super happy and in love and you know yada yada but then also like I was in such a bad place with my depression that I was definitely like it was taking a toll on the relationship because like I wasn't taking care of myself. And then I was always like freaking out about him leaving me due to that. And then that, that kind of did end up happening, but also I recently messaged him actually. And I was like, I want to say, I don't, I don't blame you or like, I don't have resentment towards you for like how the way things ended because I recognize like that I was responsible too. Wow. What a nice gift to give both of you yourself for honoring the part that you contributed and then also not taking full responsibility, but giving him that opportunity to know that you recognize your part in it. Yeah. And it it happened because I was reading my old journals from that time period. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I was not okay during this time. Like, yeah. So it's, it was eye opening and Yeah, but I think one of the main takeaways from that is like, you really do have to take care of yourself and like be able to love yourself if, you know, you're going to be in a healthy relationship. And that's really what your readers take away from the articles that you write. I mean, that's always such a strong message. It's like, you can have a relationship, but you have to have one with yourself first. And here's how to do it the right way so that you're going to have stumbling blocks, but don't purposely create ones that you can try to avoid. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. What are you working on now, Sweet Pea? What what stuff is on the horizon? Okay. Well, um, I just got some new assignments today. One of them is about um, a praise kink. So that will be interesting. Once in a while, I get some like, um, like oh, ones okay or you know like sex position related ones I have fun with those they're they're fun so I have that I have a couple of like general health ones like about some very sexy like gastrointestinal issues um I'll be writing about and then also I've been writing some stuff about like um, narcissism 
very popular right now. Yeah. And then also some stuff on like neurodivergence. How long does it take you to put together a typical article? Oh, it, it varies so much. Like sometimes I'm so in the zone and I can bang something out in a couple hours. Okay. Sometimes like one of the ones I just worked on, like took me so long. It's just, it just really depends on the topic. And I think maybe how comfortable I feel with it. And also like how much information I have to work with. Did you have to educate yourself before you can put together educated questions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause well, that's the thing. Like when I say bang it out in a couple hours, that's after doing the all the research, research gathering. Yeah. Okay. So it's not as, you know, it's not just somebody standing up and shooting a video or like just typing a couple of things out. There's an art to what you do. Yeah. It's definitely a multi-step process. Mm-hmm. And these days I've been having a lot of trouble focusing. So one thing that I've been doing that really helps is I leave my house, I go to a coffee shop and park myself there. And then it's like, miraculously, I can like, I can do something so much faster than I would at home. And it's becoming an expensive habit, but (laughs) oh well. Cool. So is there a place that people can like find your articles that are all together? Like, do you have a site where you put them? How can people follow your career? Um, Good question. My website is something that is a work in progress and I need to do I right now I have like a clippings website which kind of has some of my favorite clips from over the years and that's just clippings.me slash Ashley Laterer but hopefully soon I'll have a more you know like ashleylaterer.com like with my work and like different I will be able to like categorize it so somebody can go to like mental health relationships sex you know whatever and be able to find the, the topics they want. Um, they can Google you, right? And find some oh, of your yes. that way. Yes, Googling me, you, you'll find a lot. Um, What's your social media like if people want to connect with you there? Um, on Twitter, I'm at Ash Laterer, so A-S-H-L-A-D-E-R-E-R. And then on Instagram, I'm Ashley underscore unicorn. <laughs> awesome, I love a unicorn. Thank you, Ashley. This was so fun. I love chatting with you. You're very insightful and it's very comforting to see that you are the person that you ask your readers to be. I think you're very authentic and I think that's inspiring to the people that get their insight from you. So thank you so much. Thank for you. Being here. Thank you. Yeah, that's really sweet. And I appreciate, I feel like you're hyping me up and I appreciate it. <laughs> it's easy to do. I adore you. I can only use an ego boost. (laughs) All right, Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay, see you later. Bye. This has been the D-Spot Podcast with Dr. Dana McNeil. To learn more about Dr. Dana's practice, simply visit us at www.danamcneil.com.